The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no guile. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God, you are the King of Israel. Jesus answered him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You shall see greater things than these. And he said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. The Gospel of the Lord. beautiful feast that we celebrate today, Saints Michael, Gabriel, and Raphael. Um, and we begin uh, with the reading from the prophet Daniel. And it's interesting, and it's appropriate that it should be from the prophet Daniel. The only two references that we have to Saint Michael and Saint Gabriel in the Old Testament are from the prophet Daniel. So Saint Gabriel comes to explain one of the visions that the prophet Daniel has, and he explains it to him at like ever-increasing depths. And so that's in chapters 8 and 9 of, uh, the pro of the book of Daniel. And then also later on in chapter 10 and chapter 12, you have uh, references to St. Michael. And then uh, you have further then in Scripture details surrounding uh, St. Gabriel and St. Michael. St. Gabriel, we know in the New Testament, is mentioned in Luke's Gospel, chapter 1, where he uh, comes and announces, obviously, the uh, the Incarnation, but also uh, St. Michael, who is mentioned in the book of Jude, I think it's chapter 1, and then in uh, the book of Revelation, chapter 12. And so it's interesting to go and read those accounts that we have, uh, especially today, it might be a good thing to go and read those accounts of uh, the angels, uh, St. Michael and St. Gabriel. And then the only reference that we have to St. Raphael in Scripture is in the book of Tobit, where he is quite present in that book. Um, and he is the one who accompanies Tobias on his journey as he goes to eventually not only heal his father, but also as he finds his wife, Sarah. And Raphael, in that story, he comes as an answer to their prayers. God sends him as an answer to their prayers, and he brings with him healing, he brings uh, restoration, he brings all of these things, liberation from evil. And so he's a powerful intercessor for us, as is Michael with his defense, of the things that belong to God, but also of his uh, battle that he has with Satan, the way in which he casts out Satan from heaven. I read a beautiful account from one theologian once of what the battle was between St. Michael and the devil, and I've never been able to find it uh, since. But again, because he was, this theologian, as he was speculating what the, Lord, what the theologian was saying, was he was saying we have to think about angelic battles in the proper sense, right? Angels are spirits. They don't carry with them the weapons like what we carry. 
And so a battle between angels or the angelic battle is an intellectual battle. And so what you have, and he had, he was just kind of giving a description of what could have been that initial battle between uh, Satan and St. Michael. And he says, as Satan would have exalted himself to take the place of God and offered that temptation to the other angels, as he would have wanted for himself the praise that belongs only to God. The theologian says, but from the ranks of the archangels came this voice that simply said, Mikael, which is his name, which means who is like unto God. And the theologian says, and the battle was over. <laughs> that was it, finished, there's no more battle. And so the angel in his, in his humility, right? Michael in his power, which is that what he knows about God is that there is nothing and no one like unto God. Who is like unto God? And so it is with that power that he casts out all of the evil of pride and of that kind of vainglory and anything that would seek to take the place of God. And so he is a wonderful intercessor, most especially because of that, against all evil. And so his prayer is a powerful prayer to pray in defense. And then the angel Gabriel, the strength of God, right? The strength of God. It is right that the angel Gabriel is sent to proclaim the incarnation as Christ himself, the Word, who is the very wisdom of God and the power of God, becomes incarnate. It is right that the angel Gabriel is the one that comes to announce him. But what we can also look at then is the beautiful uh, apostle Nathaniel or Bartholomew as we know. So Bartholomew just means son of Ptolemy. Bartholomew and Nathaniel. And he is in a certain sense almost angelic in the way in which he comes to Christ. Uh, in his simplicity, in his immediate response of praise and worship of Christ, but even in the way that Jesus draws him to himself. And so the prophet Daniel, in his vision, it says he sees one who is like a son of man. He sees one who is like a son of man. And one of the commentators points out and says it's very interesting the way in which he uses that term because he doesn't use the term uh, Ben-Ish ben or Ben-Adam, but Ben-Enosh, which means like, like man in all of his weakness and frailty. And so he is astounded by this vision that he has, Daniel, that there is this one who is like a son of man, like us in our weakness, like us in our frailty. But the fact that he uses the word like means that he is also more than. So he is like us, but he is also more than. And this is what the mystery in which the prophet Daniel is being caught up in. But it is also the experience that we can see that Nathaniel has when he comes to Christ. Initially, he sees one who is simply like a son of man, right? He sees a man, he meets the man, Jesus Christ, in his human nature, but he also comes to know that there is also more than that here. He's struck by what else comes from Christ, which is this wisdom and this knowledge that pours out from Jesus. And so when Jesus looks and sees Nathanael coming to him, and we know that Philip has gone to call Nathanael, and we can tell by the conversation that they had together that Nathanael is someone who is well-versed in Scripture. He knows the Scriptures well. And he's also sitting under the tree. And so some of the commentators say that that was common for the Jewish people at that time to do, that at the hour of prayer, when it was time to go and pray and contemplate, they would find the shade of a tree. And so it was possible that Nathaniel was praying 
under a tree, contemplating the scriptures, possibly even contemplating the coming Messiah when Philip came up to him and was called him to come and meet Jesus Christ. And then Nathaniel has all of these questions about Christ and Philip simply says, come and see, come and see. Any answer that you desire, you will find it in Jesus Christ. And so Nathaniel comes, the Lord looks at him and the Lord looks not only at him, but into him, into this beautiful soul whom he himself has created. And he sees Nathaniel coming and he says, behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no guile. The beautiful simplicity of a soul that is without guile, without manipulation, without hypocrisy, right? And so what the Lord rejoices in is, is a soul that is without guile. So what does it mean to be without guile? Because we know that uh, all of us are sinners. And so St. Augustine in his commentary on this scene, he says that to be without guile is simply that, to confess ourselves to be sinners. We have guile when we are sinners, but pretend exteriorly not to be. And so what St. Augustine says is Nathaniel has no pretense in his life. He is a sinner, he knows his need of God, and he knows his need of salvation. And that is what is within him in terms of being without guile. And so the Lord looks into him, he sees the beautiful simplicity of his soul, and he rejoices. Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no guile. And Nathaniel responds without guile. How do you know me? <laughs> How do you know me? He looks at the Lord and he says, how do you know me? And many people are drawn to Jesus Christ throughout his life because of his miracles and his works of power. Nathaniel is drawn because of the wisdom and the knowledge and the truth that comes from Christ. And Jesus draws Nathaniel to him in this way, specifically by means of the knowledge, the revelation of hidden mysteries, right? And the Lord reveals three types of hidden mysteries to Nathaniel. He reveals something that is hidden but is present when he looks into Nathanael's heart and he says, this is an Israelite in whom there is no guile. But he also reveals things of the past. He says, before Philip called you, I saw you under the fig tree. And then the Lord also reveals truth about the future. He says, you will see greater things than this. You will see the heavens opened and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. And so you have all of this knowledge coming forth from Christ that astounds Nathaniel. He realizes that the Lord is more than simply a son of man. He realizes, as he says here, he begins first with rabbi, meaning teacher. And so what he immediately does is submits himself to learn under Jesus Christ and to receive from him all of his truth. Then he says, you are the son of God. So he acknowledges, him not, he acknowledges Christ not only to be a source of wisdom, but he also acknowledges his singular dignity. You are the Son of God, not a Son of God. You are the Son of God. And then he also acknowledges his power, the power that Christ has. You are the King of Israel. Beautiful proclamation of faith from such a beautiful, simple soul. Simple in the best sense of that word. One who is simple, but also wise. And so he responds rightly to what he has experienced from Christ. And then what the Lord reveals, as we've seen, is something from the past. But he has this beautiful image. He says, you will see greater things than these. Truly, I say to you, you will see the heavens opened. And in Scripture, when the heavens opened, it means when grace pours down from heaven. 
and that is coming in the incarnation of Jesus Christ. It will flow out upon the world when his heart is pierced and the, his heart and all of the graces and his love and his salvation pours out. So you will see the heavens opened and you will also see the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man, showing again his divinity because the angels minister only to God in that way, ascending and descending upon him. Some of the commentators, just to close, they say that the angels ascending and descending to God, uh, on the Son of Man have two different interpretations. The one is the ascending and the descending. When they ascend to God is when they take to God our petitions and our prayers. And when they descend is when they come back from God with all of his answers and graces and benefits for us. And so they are intercessors for us in prayer, and that's important, so we should use them and pray to them and ask them for that intercession that they will obtain from God the things that we need. But also there's another interpretation, which is this ascending and descending upon the Son of Man, which is, regard, which, with his, which is with regards to Christ himself and his divine nature and his human nature. And so when they descend upon the Son of Man is when the angels humble themselves to serve him in his human nature, and when they ascend upon the Son of Man is when they ascend to minister to Christ himself in his divine nature. And so it is this beautiful example that we have, not only of the angels today, but also of Nathaniel, who himself is angelic in a certain sense, who is so simple before God, who enters so willingly into the service and ministry of Jesus Christ and gives us such a beautiful example of following Christ and submitting to him and receiving from him all of his wisdom, as do the angels and as do the saints in heaven, so we are also called to do on earth. Amen.